And we are live. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Podcast Act Round Zero, episode 59, Wool. I am Jared the Apocalypse, Nerd Wallace. He is Adam Bomb Glancy. And uh, welcome back to the apocalypse, folks. Uh, we know we we're uh, gone for a little bit, but, you know, the radiation levels were getting terrible, and I was not able to go out and get the antenna up just until recently. So now we can start broadcasting again. So... Thank, That's thank God! That, thank goodness that you had a better suit for going outside than the protagonist from this novel that we are about to review. Yes, correct. That is that is much. Uh, that's a very good thing. So, um, so yeah, folks. Yeah, we, we had to take a little. Uh, you know, had to take a little uh, hiatus. You know, uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on with myself, Mr. Glancy. You know, we had show season, and I said because this is, you know, as you as you know, this is a, you know, a labor of love type thing. It had to get pushed down on the priority list a little bit, but um, some things have cleared up in certain areas, so we're going to try to get ourselves back on track again, uh, but of course, uh, as I just read, that G Plus Hangouts will no longer be doing the live broadcasts that go, to you yeah, that go to YouTube and record it. Now they're switching it to a YouTube live streaming event thing, so now I'm going to have to relearn that whole thing to make sure... <laughs> works the way it's supposed to but i'm sure it'll work out um yeah because we never have any problems with that stuff no no we we when's the last time we had technical difficulties I mean, uh, la last show i was about to say yeah since it's but that was a long time ago I, yeah. because it's taken us so long to get back on the air those technical difficulties were a long time I know, yeah, because uh, you know uh, our lower third is back, which it wasn't last time. Oh, and that's that's right. Yeah, that didn't work either. That didn't work, and then we lost me on the audio like uh, two thirds of the way through. Perhaps, perhaps it is because I'm I'm broadcasting from a different bunker. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's uh, you know you had you had to switch you had to switch to a different silo. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, in fact, uh, we are both in the same silo at this point. We're in the uh, the the sunshine silo, although you wouldn't know it from the darkness around me. I find myself in the cheery state of Florida, having just missed a mini apocalypse where that uh, Hurricane Hermione blew through and yeah, managed not to do any damage. Yeah, went north of you. So that's, yeah. that happens a lot. Like, you know, knock on wood in the southeast here, things tend to go over or under, then back around, and they go through, like, the central or northern part of Florida. So... I'm okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> as long as it's somebody else's problem. I'm yeah. okay with it too. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, so folks, you know, uh, uh, so we're, what's that? We're back. Um, uh, just put this out there right now. As you know, we're going to review this book. We're going to talk about this book. And we're not going to give you just a basic overview of the book, book will, uh, wool. I was called Will. <laughs> the book wool by Hugh Howie. So let me give you it right now. We got spoiler alerts, folks. We're going to talk about this book at length. We're not going to give you every painful detail, but we're going to talk about it a lot. And it may, you know, ruin things for people. So that's why we want to give again a spoiler alert. Letting people know that yes, we're going to talk more than just on a surface level about the book. So, um, I did see quite a few people uh, make some posts. There was a little bit of a buzz. You know, some people were excited to hear that we're going to be reviewing the book. So, people are definitely interested to hear how we feel feel about it. And uh, you know, people definitely wanted to see our take uh, on the book. So, uh, but before we get into the book, 
And a couple of, just a couple of things I want to share. Oh, number one, uh, I did finally see Maggie. Just to let you All know, right. Mr. Wallace. Please, what was your? How did how did you receive Maggie? Um, I, I I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was it was it was good. Uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, how that culture developed because it's kind of like they've stabilized the zombie apocalypse, but it's still there. Um, you know, definitely, it's a lot about you know emotional ties and how people are still people are still definitely in denial in that. Even though they stabilize it, people were definitely in denial about stuff. Yes. You know, um, and that's what creates more zombies because people can't deal with it. So people that you know don't get the bodies collected, and then they go around and bite people, and it's the, the problem perpetuates. Did you think they were doing full-on zombies, or you think they were doing uh, uh, plague victims who resemble zombies? And for those who don't know, Maggie is a low-budget zombie apocalypse film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and the girl from Little Miss Sunshine. And, oh yeah, yeah. And um, uh, Zombieland. Yes, I can't, I can't remember her name. Well, that's why we have that's why we have the internet. I will quickly look up what her name is. Um, she was quite good in it. Yeah, she did a good job. Um, I know I don't think it was a plague victim thing, but I think it was definitely a, a slower take on the zombie thing. How people, you know, because the change would definitely took a lot. It took longer. Mm-hmm. You know. It took time for things to set in, and people started dying. And it was a different it was a different approach, you know, because people had to people didn't go over right away. They started, you know, getting the hunger. Do you? you I do you prefer it that way? I prefer a slower zombie bug. Oh, it was um the two other big name stars are Abigail Breslin, who plays the daughter, and Jolie Richardson plays the stepmom, who's freaking okay. out because if the daughter from the previous marriage goes over it'll endanger her kids yeah so that was a big old plot point but anyways yeah um i prefer my zombies to be slower on the walking and slower on the turning um because um uh i don't know maybe i'm a traditionalist but i always feel like by speeding the zombies up and then having a zombie apocalypse I feel like the 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 director or the writer is giving humanity too much credit. That this idea that oh well, I'm going to make the zombie apocalypse believable because people turn in 20 minutes or five seconds, you know, like they did in 28 days later, you know, and they're going to be super fast, and that'll excuse humanity for fucking up. But I'm like, I don't think the fact that they're slow means we're going to win. I think we can fuck that shit up just fine. We're Oh yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, I prefer a traditional slow, but as we've talked, I think we've talked about this before, especially because of the remake of uh, Dawn, well, in name only of Dawn of uh, Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. I could see the fast zombie, and I could I could justify it, you know, uh, to an extent, because again, there's really no reason that like that the body would be slow, unless unless there's something in this processing that's not moving the body quickly because there's yeah. no reason why they would have to be slow. I agree. You got a good point there that, that biologically I can't justify it, but after they've been running around for a while and they rip up all their ligaments, they tear all their muscles and they never, they never heal and they never rego new tissue. They can slow down. Oh yeah. It's good. Well, it's going to be the, it's going to be the, it's going to be the crawling dead at a certain point. It's not going to be the walking <laughs> dead, you know? <laughs> 
That would actually be an awesome zombie apocalypse where it starts fast, spreads fast, and then they just keep slowing down until you're down to the stage where you're worried about ankle biters. Yep. You know? The Crawling Dead. I think I got something there. <laughs> I think The Crawling Dead, that's the one you want to put the trademark and patent on. Right and now. <laughs> sadly, Ankle Biters has already been done. I believe it is a midget zombie apocalypse called Ankle Biters. Oh. Uh, I, 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 I swear to God, I think I've seen that somewhere in a video store. So It, it sounds like a porno. It's like... <laughs> let's, let's hope it's not midget zombie porno because I think... <laughs> Probably is. <laughs> just just um, deal with I'm, it. <laughs> I'm okay with two out of three of those, but it's you know I don't believe you can do a hat trick with that. Uh, you might, you might, you might. But uh, so, so, anyways, anyways, so you saw Maggie, right? And you're giving Maggie one and a oh, half. I, I definitely give it a thumbs up. Def, definitely worth your time. I think. Um, okay. I still have not seen uh, Z for Zachariah. It is available. It is available on Amazon Prime, so I have it bookmarked. So I'll, okay. I'll watch. They it. just took it off of damn. I, it was on yeah. Netflix, and they took it down. So if anyone's out there, take a look at Z for Zachariah. Uh, it's a pretty good. Uh, a, post-apocalypse, post-nuclear war uh, uh, scenario. Um, it's very low budget, very small uh, number. The cast is like three people. and Very small, but um, it's uh, it's got a lot of things going for it. It's written by the same guy who wrote uh, the original Mrs. Brisby and the Rats of Nim, which eventually became the Rats of Nim animated movie. So that was sort of a weird connection I ran across when I started looking up who wrote Z for Zachariah. So take a look out there, folks. I think you will be, I think you'll be pretty happy with it. Oh, and I also watched recently, there was a movie uh, that, again, was on Amazon Prime. I saw called Shelter. Hmm, that's not ringing a bell. Uh, I'll read you the description. Uh, five survivors wait out nuclear winter in a bomb shelter. The group struggles against the clock until it's safe to return to the surface. As weeks turn to month, one room one room provides to be too small for five people. It's about you know people. There's like a bomb goes off. They're in the shelter from this in this building, and it's about the dynamics of the people. Uh, what's uh, you know interacting for months and months and months and months uh, together in this small space. That's all I'm going to say about this one. Um, it's, it's, I, I kind of like, I like, kind of like the idea. I kind of like the concept, but, uh, if you could check it out, go check it out. All right. So you haven't seen it yet or you have seen it? Oh, no, no. I've seen it. Okay. Okay. But, right. uh, there's a, you know, what's the twist? There's some twists and plot twists and things in the movie. Uh, nothing earth shattering, but uh, let's just leave it alone. That one alone. Um, it is, uh, yeah, it's it's on Amazon Prime right now. It came out in uh, 2015, so if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it, stream it for free. I don't know if it's on uh, Netflix or but, Hulu uh, or anything else. Okay, yeah, but but it might be. So um, and the name is Shelter. Shelter. Yep, 2015. It's only an hour and a half long, so it's not okay. uh, it's not terribly long, uh, but it's it's worth it's worth uh, checking out. Okay. Uh, Okay. Now, a couple other things I do have to share with, because we haven't talked uh, to the folks. Oh, in a while. oh, uh, 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 what's the uh, game? Should we talk about the game at all? Oh, we will. I'll bring. I'm bringing that up too. Uh, well, a couple games to bring up. Uh, one thing I want to bring up is uh, we know uh, everybody knows that we love 2080, Judge Dread, Stronium Dog, all that kind of stuff. You know, it's a lot of my post-apocalyptic stuff came from 2080 and Judge Dread, especially the Cursed Earth Saga. 
they have now put together uh, the unabridged version of The Cursed Earth because originally when it was published in England, there was two strips that came out in in England that they did not release in America. There, When they came out in the comic book or they came out with the softback, uh, one was about like these burger wars, like this area of the uh, the the, the uh, Cursed Earth that had, you know, Burger King and Ronald McDonald were these barren leaders of these folks, and there was this constant war. And then there's another one where it had the Jolly Green Giant and all these other uh, genetically engineered, like, uh, commercial icon things like Alka-Seltzer and all this stuff like that. They originally removed it because I don't think they thought that Americans would be able to handle the satire on their culture. So, But finally, in a nice, thick hardback, it's available, it's available on Amazon. I got on Amazon cheaper um, than other places, but it's in, it's, it's, it's a really nice big hardcover. It's got the entire story in it. You know, uh, you know, originally how some were color, you know, some plates were color, some plates were black and white. And it got, it has the original 2080 covers in the back from the issues that they were in. Cool. So, That's even better. Oh yeah. And it's got a map of the cursed earth and shows where everything happened. Does there, the, is there, by any chance, is there a, uh, do they have the covers that they did for the old 80s collections? Oh, the, for the comic books? Like from... Um, yeah, with the big two-parter when it was a, a two-parter. Because I want to say it was John Bolin uh, did one of them, um, where it was just like this sort of hero shot of all the judges and Harvey Spikes rotten and and tweak the alien all sta- all... Standing in front of the um, the killdozer, uh, it might be. I'm looking here because they had like pinups and and the covers and uh, there's there's a lot of stuff in here. Mm-hmm. Well, well, see, original the original Prague covers because folks that they called them they called them Prague's. So um, <laughs> okay, it was it's Prague, P R O G. That's what they <laughs> called them. They didn't call them issues. They called them Prague's. Wow. Somebody from England, dial in and tell us why they're called Prague's. Yes, please uh, give us the answer to that. But uh, it's got a lot of like. Is that related to droogies, droogs, or something? Is this something Alex and his little droogies would go by and pick up the new Prague's all, all, all horror show? Maybe. Well, there is this part of that. It doesn't have the whole yeah. thing. Ah, uh, that's too bad. That was that was a great piece of art. Yeah, the, it was um, a nice piece. That was but, a really great piece. But I think I got this for. I mean, I think the retail the retail is uh, thirty five US. I got it less than uh, on uh, Amazon with Prime for so free shipping. So, but yeah, I was glad to get my hands on this. So I got that, and I also picked up at Gen Con because uh, we were both at Gen Con earlier, uh, uh, oh about a month ago. A month ago was uh, I've heard of this, never read anything on it. Was I picked up because I got a good deal on some of the stuff that I picked up. The RPG Mutant Year Zero, which is I, I think it I, I think it came for it's from it's overseas. It was translated. It was um, I think it was originally published in like oh god I don't know what the hell it was. It's in it's in another language. It's uh, I think it's like oh, it's like somebody will correct me on this because you know that's you know how people are on the internet and that's fine. So I don't I don't quite recall. I'd have to look it up, but it's it wasn't. I'd be, it wasn't like, I'd, be I'd be shocked if it was in another language. I'd be shocked if it wasn't uh, German or French because 
they're the guys who crank out the most role playing game material that I know of. Yeah, it was something. I, I have to look it up. It was. Uh, it was originally by. Uh, I'm trying to look here, folks. Anyway, but it's uh, so I got I picked up that a uh, couple. Of, all they had left. All they had left the last day was that a uh, couple of supplements. Um, didn't have everything, so I missed a couple things. And they had like these uh, reference cards. Uh, you know, Gam World tried to use that, but it was like they made it like an essential part. These are just like reference cards, which I think is a good way to do. Like just like a stack of cards. Like here's all the mutations with quick information. Like the old spell cards from. Uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons in the 90s. It's just like, here's all the material, here's all the information about your card, and just a little thing instead of the dig through all the books. You could just have, okay, here are my mutations, you could just have your little stack. So, anyway, I got a good deal on it, so I haven't I haven't dug through that yet, but uh, I eventually will, and I'll, I'll report on it. Um, so we got that. Um, there was a couple of Kickstarters I posted, and one of them was called uh, Fallen Lands, or Fallen Land. Uh, I'm gonna yes. Guess. Is it Fallen Lands? I think it's I think it's fallen land, fallen land singular because it's just about America. America. Uh, let me look that up here. I'm pretty sure I backed it, so I need to. I'll just go and check my. Uh, yeah, picture. yeah, you know, I, I threw I threw a couple of shekels at him too. It's fallen um, land, fallen land, a post-apocalyptic board game. Fallen land, and last time I checked, they were they were funded. They have. Oh yes, they are funded. It is over. Um, it'll also be, uh, you're saying that it will be available retail. So um, I've talked to John, one of the creators of the game, and uh, we were going to get him on. We couldn't get him on before his Kickstarter was over, but it was successfully funded. Um, and his plan is to get in retail. So he works uh, generally night shift. Uh, he works in a hospital. He's like a, he's like a tech for... MRIs or CTs or something like that. So uh, he has a pretty and a family, so he has a pretty tight schedule. So we've been trying to I've been trying to coordinate with him. So, uh, but I will we will wrangle him in eventually, and we're going to bring him on so we can talk about uh, Fallen Lands. You know, because it's it's already funded, but we want to get the help him get the word out. So once it gets and get out there, people will be able to get a hold of it. So we want to uh, you know help raise awareness uh, for the game for the game for him. So excellent. So that will happen. Um, we were trying to get him on for tonight, but he wound up being busy. But uh, I'm just—I'm keeping in touch with him. So as soon as I could uh, find, uh, we could find some time to coordinate um, uh, to get him on. So I also need to follow up with uh, Jim Wamplier because I talked to him at Gen Con. He did the Mutant Crawl Classics mm -hmm. uh, based off the you know the Dungeon Crawl Classics by Goodman Games. Uh, this is the—it's a throwback, you know, Wahoo, uh, post-apocalyptic gaming, uh, like kind of like Gamma World, you know, the, that throwback thing, like, you know, how Dungeon Crawl Classics is. So um, I need to touch base with him. So again, he said, give him some time after Gen Con to touch base because, you know, he can kind of get all his ducks in a row after that because he was pretty busy with Gen Con and the whole Kickstarter. Yep. So we're, we're going to get him on because that's something that, again, will be available in full retail. So, and it's kind of right up our alley. So we're going to get uh, Jim on to uh, talk about uh, Mutant Crawl Classics, which will be out uh, next year. They they did like they did about a year target for production, which a lot of people were fussy about. And it's like, okay, well, would you rather him say six months and then it doesn't come out for six months in a day and you start screaming that it's not out? You know, so I'm, I'm fairly certain that my um, 
my Kickstarter backers on Horrors of War would have preferred it if I had been a little more realistic and a little less optimistic uh, on my settings. I have had plenty of complaints, and uh, all I can say is, yes, always give yourself more room. Do not be optimistic. Do not blow smoke. Just tell them. Uh, in fact, be pessimistic. Yeah. If you have any brains at all, I've learned my lesson the hard time, hard way. I, I absolutely screwed that up. Well, it's a, uh, it's the old Scotty uh, yeah. philosophy of uh, uh, under under promise, over deliver. You know. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but that being said, that's all. I just had a couple things I wanted to share that I came across, and then also I wanted to give our uh, friend of the apocalypse, Daniel Puckett, a little shout out here because. Uh, when we were at Gen Con, he uh, we met him outside. We met him uh, and he uh, hung out for a little bit because he was he didn't go to the show, but he lives in Indianapolis, so we hung out for him for oh, a little bit. Oh yeah, he um he's a motorcycle guy, and they did uh, what they 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 guess they've done it for a couple of years now. They do a Mad Max run um, with motorcycles, and one of the promote the things they did for their run this year was or was it last year's? No, it was this year's. They did these little beer cozies. And he gave us, uh, uh, Scott and I each, a beer cozy with uh, the artwork for the Dinky Doo. Dinky D. Dinky D. There you go. Sorry. Dinky D. Uh, meat and veggies. It's a little uh, little beer cozy, which usually just has my Diet Coke in it. So, and that's their thing on the back for uh, the Mad Max run Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. So we uh, thank Daniel. We want to give him a little shout out here on the show. And yes, Daniel, I, I do use your cozy on a regular basis because I drink way too much Diet Coke, as my wife will tell you. So uh, I do I do use to help keep my uh, diet beverage, uh, well, at least a little cooler than just having it sit out. So let me just say this. I, I got down here to Florida. I you know hadn't been here in, a, in quite a while. And I hadn't been here in the summer. And uh, I go out to some bars with some friends, and I've got friends who literally brought to a bar a beer cozy, including one that zips all the way up the side of a long neck beer, and he just zips it up so he can so it won't turn into piss warm beer in two minutes in the Florida heat. That's Florida, and I'm like, and I'm like kids, that is Florida. You these beer cozies are ab- these insulators are absolutely mandatory survival gear don't go outside without them which also kind of loose back into wool don't go outside without the proper protective gear um but oh my god those things yeah the the, the design is hilarious and i, I think it's I, I don't know why how did it take this long for someone to realize they should make dinky d you know can insulators that's just genius it was it's 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 really nice it did a good they did a good job you know so uh Again, shout out to Daniel and this. Oh yes, Daniel, I know I still owe you a um, a uh, Friends of the Apocalypse badge ribbon. He uh, um, emailed me. I said I would get it out to him like two weeks ago. Uh, like I always tell everybody, I do eventually get around to everything. So just uh, just be patient with me. Excellent. So now, speaking of being patient with us, we're going to move on to our book review of the day. Well, so again, folks. We're gonna start now. Now that we're now that we're a half hour in, we're actually gonna start talking about the book. Um, but we're gonna talk about Wool, part of the Silo series. So again, one last time, spoiler alert, folks. We're gonna talk about more than just surface level details of this book. Okay, so last chance to tune out. And uh, all right, three, two, one. We're going. You're done. So all right. So Wool. 
by Hugh Howey, uh, was part of the is part of what's now called the Silo series. There is more than just Wool. Wool is apparently a compilation of five books. Uh, you probably have the, what they call the Omnibus, and that's what I listen to. But there's two other uh, two other books after that. There's Shift, which is book six, seven, and eight, and Dust, which is book nine. So I think because I think the way it originally uh, started was as a short story. Yeah, he, um, he 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 published it as a standalone short story, and he went through Amazon's system. Like, yeah, the self-publication Kindle. Yeah, and then just uh, just started adding stories. And if there is one thing about the the Wool series is that it it does read very episodic. I mean, that was if I have any gripe, that first chapter, the first book, is sort of perfectly encapsulated, and um, it's pretty. It, it feels like you know that was the first. It very much feels like here's the first short story or novella that I wrote, and it is complete. And then the next stories are added onto it in that same world, but that first one feels really complete. You know, it doesn't feel like just the opening chapters of a novel. Yeah, it definitely has that feel to where it's. Uh, it almost felt to me sometimes it's like he had the original concept, and then he kind of expanded upon it. So. Uh, you, I, I kind of got the feeling of that sometimes. It felt like that he took us, he expanded it further than he originally intended to. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it does, it does get that feeling a little bit. Yeah, so, at least at least in the first books under Wool, and I've started yeah. Shift, okay, which are, which are some of the prequels. But I'll I'll leave those aside for the time being. Um, uh, but they definitely, it definitely felt like something that was. He had a complete story. It was really popular, and he went back and revisited it. And I'm not saying that this is somehow a cheat or no, he's no, no, done no. this wrong, but mm -hmm. um, you know, it definitely has a feeling like you know he is. Uh, he told the first story, and then he is. Uh, then he realized that he had enough popularity that people would listen or read, I should say, and he now had the luxury to expand the story. But it's sort of it's sort of expanded episodically, like. You know, as he's writing book two, I'm not sure he knows what's going to happen in book five, but he's still writing forward. And it builds and it feels pretty complete. You know, um, I don't feel like it feels like he didn't, you know, maybe he didn't quite know how it was going to end when he started writing it. Um, but by the time he's done, it's got a, a pretty complete feel. I didn't run across any big contradictions, you know, no, at all. I don't think so at all if those existed in the original novels when they were published piecemeal i never saw it in the in the omnibus no uh, no this thing this thing uh read as uh as a complete story um oh definitely and and also just to clarify folks we're calling it a post-apocalyptic some people may classify it more in the dystopian realm as opposed to post-apocalyptic but as we as we talked about and many times I was saying, as we've said many a time, is there's a lot of times there's a lot of gray area between post-apocalyptic and dystopian, you know. So, what do you think is the uh, what would give these give the folks at home the setup? What's the world of wool? Uh, the wool the world of wool starts off uh, with a couple of the main characters, and uh, these people are living in what's called a silo. They call it the silo. They all they live underground in this uh, large silo and they don't really know anything about the outside world. Okay. Like beyond what they could see on these, uh, tele these giant TV screens, which 
have cameras and they look at the outside world and all they see is a, is a, is a bleak wasteland, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's, it's a pretty big silo. It's uh, supposedly it's 140 levels. So it's pretty big and it, apparently it seems to be it's huge and houses a pretty big population. So um, thousands of people. Yeah. Thousands of people. Um, so it's, uh, so it's, it's, it's people's life in the silo and how they're dealing with it, with life there. Now, one of the things that uh, is a big event in these books is, and it's called wool is because you don't go outside because the world is a toxic wasteland and that's what they, everybody's been told and that's what everybody sees. Okay. Now, the only punishment people have, there's no sitting in jail, really. There's no um, executions, really. Uh, the only punishment for any kind of heinous crimes is cleaning. You go outside for a cleaning. You're given a suit. You're given some wool to scrub and clean the cameras because over time they start to get the, the camera lenses start to get clogged up and people have to go out there to clean them. So the people who are bad people and do bad things get sent out for cleaning yeah. and they can, they clean the, the lenses so people could see this world. Cause people, even though it's just this vast destroyed wasteland, it's their only connection to the outside world. And as, and if people don't get to see it, you know, people start to flip out um, because of that. So that's why I'm saying it's kind of dystopian in a sense that, you know, these people live in this, uh, this society after an apocalypse, which seems to be, if I remember correctly, it's they, they tell how long it is. It's like several hundred years. It's like like it's like two hundred plus years. If I remember yeah. correctly, yeah, we're, we're we're on we're on grandparents grandparents generation minimum, minimum. So people are living in these silos for generations. Uh, so it can be say it's dystopian because it's well it's a, it's a society that was brought about after the apocalypse. Oh, and remember, it's people living in this silo singular. Singular. This Singular is it. This they, is it. If they fuck this up, they've killed humanity. This is it. You know, they have. If they screw this up or or wreck the place or it breaks down, they've exterminated the human race, and that pressure is on the people in that silo all the time. So it's a. Uh, oh, sorry, folks. So I'm, I'm fascinating. That's why he's young. No, no, no. It's a, <laughs> it's um as as always. No, I'm boring myself, but, um, so it's, so yes, I guess you could say it's just, again, I know, uh, somebody had some dialogue, uh, some posts on the, uh, that you responded to more than I did, because uh, I didn't have time to respond about, wanted to see dystopia, talk, us talk about dystopia and as opposed to the apocalypse and society's really coming up and stuff. So yes, there was an apocalypse. It's obvious there's apocalypse and there's a, it's a society that is brought up afterwards, but is it really a, we could get into the whole this topic of dystopia, but we're not going to do that now. It's like, is it really a fully functioning society? Is it something, you know, that's just there to oppress people and everything's, you know, rainbows and kittens outside and it's just trying to oppress people, you know? That, that's the thing about this, the whole dystopian, uh, you know, apocalyptic break. You know, half the first half of Boy and His Dog is a post-apocalyptic. The second half is escape from dystopia, right? The first half of... Logan's run is dystopia. The second half is you go into the apocalyptic, you know, outside. So trying to draw that bright line is, that's, uh, I'm no good at it. I'm willing to go ahead and say it's a post-apocalyptic setting inside a dystopian community of survivors. 
Exactly, because I, I agree. Because it's it's such a it's a gray area. Because it's like this this society can't exist except there's an apocalypse. It's not yeah. a dystopia that could exist except there is an apocalypse. Yeah, it's not that. It's not like uh, some of those dystopian like. Uh, I can't ever think of it now. There's, well, some, there's there's been a ton of movies out there where it's like like where's that one where it's like um, like Gattaca and though there's other ones with like clones and like yeah Gattaca is a good example. There's no apocalypse in Gattaca, but it's a dystopia, and there's no there's not necessarily an apocalypse in eighty four nineteen eighty four. There is a a world war that has happened, but there's no it's not the same kind of thing. It's not the same kind of thing in The Handmaiden's Tale. You know these are there's been you know, societies have taken hits, but it's still a functioning. The world seems to be functioning on some level, but it's a, it's majority dystopic society. Um, you know, but this, with, this yeah, is not the case. Yeah, it's like, yeah, there, there's nothing else outside the silo. There's just death. There's not bugs. There's not bacteria. There's not viruses. There's nothing. It is a sterile, environment outside of the silo of wool so if people want to say it's dystopian eh, again as me and scott are on agreeance with that's a gray that's a gray line it's pretty wide so it's there is a dystopian like society in this apocalypse but again i feel it's more of an apocalyptic setting than just it's not really i don't really feel it's, it's a dystopian setting it's like it's a survival setting these are people surviving and there are things in place to try to keep these people surviving and keep them alive until the time is that they can come out of the silo. Exactly. And repopulate the world. So, And that is one of the things that comes up in the story. You know, it's not a bunker. You know, when they start calling it a silo, we think, you know, as the reader, it's like, is it an old missile silo that they've hollowed out and repurposed? And, you know, because those are stored underground, but, at some point, the characters start to come to the conclusion that it's not a missile silo, it's a grain silo for reseeding the Earth. They're being kept in long-term storage until it's time to replant. Oh, oh wow. You, st- you, you jumped way ahead in the book. I know. Yeah. That is way deep in the book. But that was one of the big reveals in the sort of – not even a reveal. I think it's just sort of they, they just sort of start getting the feeling that this silo yeah. – isn't you know isn't isn't just merely a a a hole in the ground a concrete world for people you know to live in it's just oh it's there in some ways even though it might be going on for 200 300 years it is supposed to be temporary so that humanity can re-emerge and take over the earth again now in this world you have um it's kind of broken up into like you have the uppers, the mids, and the down deep. Because, again, it's 140 levels, so it's pretty tall, uh, the silo. And it seems to spread out pretty far. So it seems to be – there's a, definitely a separation of class, a separation of, uh, of just the people. Because, you know, a lot of the people in the down deep, you know, that's where mechanic mechanical is. Don't really ever go up top. Or just people like – it seems like people spend their whole lives down in that hole. And they never come up, you know. Uh, yeah. the, the surface with the cameras are not important to them. Uh, the people up top, the cameras are important. They have to see the outside. People in the mids, you know, make travel up there. So there's definitely a, a distinction of 
of class. Wasn't there something? Wasn't there something about like uh, in some areas they would um, they would bring people up in groups? Like you'd have a scheduled time to come up and see the sky because at nighttime, at night they could see stars. No, the cameras would show stars. Wasn't there something about people being brought up in small groups to see it and then go back down? Uh, not that I recall. I just remember that somehow in the background, not something that was major to the story, but just like because that that area that well, the, there, the cameras well, were in. Well, there's this one guy who does go up there to, to try to see the stars when he oh, can. Oh no, I don't mean the people. I don't mean people came up to see the stars. See that the guy who was the astronomer. No, I just mean that as part of your rewards benefits of being in the silo. If you were a good little silo dweller, you get to come up and see the cameras. Oh yeah, well people yeah. took chits to take vacations, to get food and stuff like that. So yeah. so it's this definitely developed society. You know, I think there's like there's like a sheriff of the silo, there's a mayor of the silo, which is more of a, it seems like more it's more of a figurehead. Um, because it seems to be as you're reading the story that there's a group called IT that's kind of in the the mids, the mid-level down. The IT seems to be in control of everything. The servers, they're the ones who when somebody has to Go out for cleaning. They make the suits. They're like the tech. They are the technology people, you know. Because then you have IT, you have the sheriff, you have uh, people who work with the food levels, yeah. growing things. You have the the mechanical people who deal with the uh, power, oil, things like one that. One of those things that really sort of uh, stood out right away is that even though there's this IT and even though there's this mechanical, certain jobs that you feel shouldn't that be a job for mechanical aren't with mechanical. Certain jobs are reserved for IT, and yep. one of them has to come to the ritual of cleaning. Yes. IT, supply, uh, supply makes things. Uh, they're definitely about recycling because when people die, they're put into the earth and they grow things. You know, they use them, they basically turn people into fertilizer. You know, it's all self-sustaining because it's been self-sustaining for hundreds of years. You know, they have oil wells in the bottom. They have, you know, power generators. So it's a, it's a fully sustained thing. And along the lines is there's uh, something I found interesting in the story was the whole thing of the porter system uh, to tr transport things up and down because there's only stairs in this silo. There is no elevator. It's only stairs. So... Yeah. They have people who are porters who carry and deliver messages, food, supplies up and down. So if you want anything to get from one place to the other, it is uh, carried up and down by human power. And that's a whole other culture in itself is just the porter system. Yeah, and, and the, the very non-existence. Do you think the non-existence of, uh, of elevators sort of was an attempt to keep the population separated? Well, it's all well. As you'll see, the people read the books. It's all about control. Um, there's, you know, I think the elevator systems control uh, communication. Communication is very limited. It's all either by you write notes on expensive pieces of paper to travel up and down. So communication's slow. So if you're keeping people separated by elevators, by not having uh, easy communication, because you could send phone calls and messages and stuff, but it's very expensive and nobody does it. So people are kind of isolated. There's like people, again, I said people who spend their entire lives in certain sections and never see, you know, the whole thing. So that's interesting. One of the problems I had with the whole thing with the stairs and the levels is 
when they're traveling in the beginning, because you have you have two of our main characters in the beginning of the book. Um, they're investigating uh, like somebody. It's the uh, it's the mayor. When is it when they're looking for a new sheriff? Yeah. It's so it's the they, it's the old mayor whose name is, uh, J is it Jans? Uh, yes. And the old deputy sheriff, who's uh, was even older than the previous sheriff, uh, whose name is um, Marnes. Marnes, yes. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, uh, 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 those are the two who start going to look for a new sheriff, and they have to go explore the silo to find the right person who's got the right file for the job. Correct. So it's about them because the old sheriff went out for cleaning for reasons. We'll uh, let the readers let the, let the people find that out. Yes, you begin by having the chief, the chief uh, enforcer of sending people outside get sent outside. Yeah, that's a bad sign. It sends outside himself. So it focuses mainly on these two characters on their journey to get a new sheriff, an unlikely person from the down deep. Now she's older, he's older. It seems like they're probably both. From what I could gather, they're both maybe in their Probably their sixties. Um, that's what I. That's what I picked up. They were in their sixties. They were not septuagenarians. They were yeah. not seventy. No, but they were probably in their sixties. But you know, it's a hard life, and they don't. People don't necessarily go up and down the stairs. But you figured in in this world where you have to go up and down stairs to get everywhere that people okay, they're not porters going up and down, but you have to go up and down stairs. You know, so you figure your bodies would develop to become used to it. And the way they talked about it, it's like, oh. We only made it down, you know, 10 levels today, and it took 12 hours. The times it takes to travel down these levels seems pretty exaggerated to me. Like, I, I wasn't buying it because it's like the, the silo would have to be like a mile across the, the whole, and a hole in the center a mile across with an angle of the stairs to only be very minor you know, to basically go down a 10 foot level, they'd have to go around three times. It seems like impossibly large to not be able to travel down quickly. Cause I know, I know even though I, I have bad knees, I mean, I could get down four or five stairs, you know, probably less than, you know, pretty quick. Okay? I, I get going up, but they, the, the time that he, that he sort of uses to say how long it takes to go from level to level seemed pretty shocking to me. Um, uh, it seemed like a lot, like they were only going down. It, it, they couldn't get all the way down 140 levels in one day. A couple of days. A couple of days. And I'm like, well, and it wasn't really clear if a level was, what's a level? Seven stories? I mean, you know, how big is a level exactly if it takes? So that was a little gray. That was a little, yeah. Yeah, that was that's, a little gray. That's the only problem I really had. I mean, I could definitely see going upstairs, absolutely. Because even when I was in shape, man, going up a lot of stairs sucks, you know. But going down, you know, I don't, you know, like I said, it would have to. I mean, and I don't think it's like mile, like miles across. I mean, it's uh, they talk about how they can look down, see the center, but it's probably pretty wide. You know, it's got to be hundreds of feet across. You know, the center. Mm -hmm. And even if the even if the angle of the steps is fairly shallow, so maybe it takes going around a couple of times just to get a level because the level is probably going to be, let's even call it 15 feet high, you know, 20 feet high, you know, so still, I mean, it's only going to wrap around so many times. So it seems like it was a bit exaggerated the how high the levels are in the steps. Like I said, it would have to be very far across and very shallow angles to take that long because that, that part I didn't buy. 
upstairs, yeah. abs- absolutely, I get it. Even if they were like regular stairs, 140 levels, yeah, like look at somebody having to go up the top to, you know, how tall is Empire State Building or something, you know? Not, not to mention the whole Porter class where their whole point is to haul hundreds of pounds of shit on their backs up the stairs. No, I that made perfect sense. But to move on, um, uh, uh, let's move on from that because that was the only that was the only big I don't know technological or or sense of scale um, moment in the story that took me out of what I was reading. Yeah. Other than that, I thought that the silo made sense as an environment. Yes, and I. I, I very much believed in that environment. I, I it, all the way down, all the way down to the lowest levels where there's 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 the water and the oil all over everything, and you know, it it worked for me all the way. Uh, it, it was a very believable uh, environment that they dropped us into. Yeah, it seems like every major area had like security checkpoints, and you know, you needed authorization to get in places. You know, they they definitely the structure of the place is definitely very segmented and separated you know they they definitely wanted to keep people out of certain areas uh keep people's knowledge separate because uh because that was one thing that was big in the story is talking about anything but the silo is bad it'll get you out for a cleaning like yeah if you talked about the outside at all that's crazy talk and we're gonna we're gonna make you clean it do a cleaning you know that's like taboo forbidden things to say yeah yeah uh, that was one of the most. That was one of the, one of the creepier bits in it. Was the idea that just speculating on the outside was the kind of talk that could get you put outside. You know, they want everyone to be head down, thinking about how they're going to keep the water flowing, how they're going to keep the food growing, how they're going to keep the waste recycling, and other than that, just keep your head down, and you know, stay in the baby lottery. Wasn't there like a baby lottery? Yes, you know you can't you can't have kids unless you've been a good citizen and done your work for the week. Yep, they definitely they there was definitely a lot of population control because again the the system can only support so much at a time. So uh, as people died, the people were able to have babies to replace. In, so, in fact, as they're sending the sheriff outside, they run another baby lottery. Yep. And so it was also interesting, too, because they get into a little bit of how people were like they have a lot of books like children's books and things that uh, are from the before time. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's not all that stuff's not real. There's not animal. They've gone so far down, like several generations down to where the stuff in the children's book is just fantastical children's things. Like there's no clouds and blue skies and elephants and giraffes. Yeah. No trip to the zoo. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't exist. That's just fantasy realms of children's books. So the people's idea of what the world what is or was, people don't know. People, knowledge is limited, for sure. In, yeah, and in, in, and in fact, it is it is ruthlessly dealt with. That you know, IT, you know, the information technology guys. One of the things that they are clearly all about is making sure people don't know things. Yes. And, and one thing that do that does happen is um, uprisings. They talk about because they're they're talking about they keep on talking referring to the uprising like oh the last uprising, well that was our uprising like things that happened within a generation because every once in a while apparently people get all uppity 
and uh, start to rise up. So they call it an uprising, and it kind of kind of resets everything because they talk about how oh well from the last uprising you know we had a like the records were wiped of everything the history of before is all gone because of the uprising and they destroyed the computers and stuff and you find out more about that as you read the book of yes perhaps it wasn't the revolutionaries who destroyed the link to the past maybe maybe yeah. not and uh maybe maybe it wasn't because they talk about the uprising but maybe there have been more uprisings and and you don't know, know. Yeah, you start to get to wonder whether or not uprisings are something cyclical that the designers of the silo have accounted for. They expect them. It's, it's, also, been, it's, been, it's been built into, uh, you know, the agenda, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hate to say it, but the first thing I thought of when I, when I ran across that was, the, was that crappy stuff in The Matrix where the architect – uh, of the matrix is all like yeah we totally plan for you humans to have an underground city and we've blown it up 10 or 12 times so far and we just keep rebuilding it you know and letting you guys think you're having a uprising and then we wipe it out again you know what i mean there was that whole thing about how the 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 the, re the resistance to the machines was something that the machines had built into the system and um i don't know why that bothered me as just being you know sort of uh cheap it was a well it was cheap for one thing and the other thing it was is the idea that um, I don't know. The idea that anyone is flawless, you know, always makes me a little nervous, especially when it's uh, uh, the idea that artificial intelligence is going to be any any wiser than we are. You know what I mean? Uh, I just expect them to be able to be dumber, faster, because they can make more decisions a second than yeah. we can. You know, they'll just be able to do stupider shit quicker you know, when the time comes, but that always kind of bugged me. But this idea that the, um, that this, the, the possibility of civil unrest was built into the system was very creepy. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe they didn't plan on when it was going to happen, but it was built into the system that it'll happen because apparently they need a cleansing, a purging every once in a while as things get to build up too far. Uh, it needs to happen because, when you have people questioning, you know, that's bad in the, in the book. You don't want people questioning. You don't want people thinking. That's why they've kept things separated. So, uh, like we said, the beginning of the book talks about, you know, the old sheriff going. They're trying to find a new sheriff, and they go with an unlikely candidate. Um, like, the IT people have a particular groomed candidate. Oh, no, this person's going to do it, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, no, 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 we have another. They had another idea, somebody they wanted, somebody – who was, you know, a mechanic from the from the from the down deep who they wanted to bring up, and they're like, "You're crazy," you know. Uh, it wasn't behind it. The person who was going to do it wasn't behind it, uh, but they went along with it, you know, for a time. So, um, uh, I think things were definitely put into place, like in the story, you know, because this person, well, this person was a was a thinker. So that's bad, you know, because she was a, she was a, it was a, she was a good, uh, she was a good, uh, Juliet was her name. Uh, she was yes. a, she was a good problem solver. So that's what impressed the last sheriff with her because yeah, she wasn't the person who just repaired the system using the instruction manual for how to repair the system. She'd be the one who'd figure out how to repair it using different parts or how to, adapt things to it or change it or improve it, which made her dangerous to the IT people. Yes. 
because uh, yes, as, we, as we've alluded to, the IT people are kind of the bad guys in this story. So <laughs> yeah, right about the time you learn to hate them, you find out that might not be the whole story. Yeah, um, that is something that this good was book was very good about setting up, as it set up very clear villains and heroes, and then it fucked it up. Yep. <laughs> right about time you settled into deciding who you love and who you hate. That's not that is not the situation. The more you learn, the worse it gets. Yes, and then uh, things happen with the new sheriff. You know, so it uh, you know things don't last so long, and this is sheriff of it. You know, because eventually uh, this new sheriff goes out for cleaning as well. So. Um, how far, Scott, should we go into the silo and what happens after? Or should we leave that to be a well, mystery? If they want to just say, um, you know, they want to stop now, uh, they can stop now. Um, that's fine. I, 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 how do I put it? Um, there are some, some of the best things about this novel are the things we haven't told you. That are yes. some of the best twists, some of the best writing, some of the best thinking about the apocalypse, and some of the best thinking about the, this environment, this 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 silo, um, is in the later part of the book, and I guess maybe the rather than tell something, I guess I might. I mean, we could leave the question. Like, here's the question: the silo is clearly gigantic, right? Yes. It's enormous, all right. Um, it is a huge project that was designed to survive an apocalypse. More importantly, it was designed to survive this apocalypse. It was designed to survive a poisoned environment, toxic air outside apocalypse. It was not designed to survive an alien invasion. It was not designed to survive a nuclear war with thermonuclear weapons going off and hitting the ground with ground bursts. It was designed to survive a very specific kind of apocalypse. How fortunate that it is that we lucked out to be in just the right kind of bunker at just the right time. Just the right kind of apocalypse and have just the right number of people in it at just the right moment when the apocalypse started however many generations ago. And 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 the level of complexity of the silo itself, it has oil wells, water pumps, generators, computer systems. It's a very big project that somebody had to build and spend a lot of money to make happen. It was this was not done on a whim. This was something even bigger than freaking um, the Morrow Project. Okay, you know, yeah, it, it, it was bigger than anything that has ever been created by the U.S. government for survival. And even you know, even things like Cheyenne Mountain are what only good for up, keep up and running for about a few months before they run out of power. Yeah, yeah. This thing is designed to survive hundreds of years generations to be born and died in this environment. Self-sustaining. They could manufacture everything. But again, everything's finite. Things are recycled. Things are limited. Things are, you know, expensive. You know, it's like we pump oil. We dig deeper for wells. We, you know, we get oil to run the generators, to generate to create power, to power to run the computers, to run the lights, to manufacture, to make items. It's, it's all self-sustaining. The entire but, system. But again, uh, this silo was created to, out, to last for hundreds of years. Um, and it just so happens the apocalypse upstairs is lasting hundreds of years. And it's a kind of apocalypse that this silo was designed to survive. This silo wouldn't have survived if a five megaton warhead had ground bursted a couple of miles away. 
it would have cracked this thing like an egg and buried everybody. Was there was there any I'm trying to think if they talk about if there's any kind of nuclear a war at all in it uh, somehow? They don't really know why the upstairs is poisoned, but one of the things they talk about is you know, the buildings and the they can see buildings from the old world. They can see them. They're in the distance, not, yeah. Yeah, they're not sheared off. They're not melted. It's not going up and checking out the mutants in the Forbidden Zone like the Planet of the Apes. They're just they decayed. See, yeah, they're just laying there derelict for 100 years. So, yeah, they're falling apart, but they're not flattened like a nuke. So, because yeah. they, the, they can see them in the distance because when they look at their cameras to the outside, and, the, and this is addressed like right in the beginning of the book, is like you will see – uh, basically, the the top of the silo where the camera is, it's in a little valley. There's like there's like a hill around, uh, like there's like a hill in front of the camera, and then over the hill you can see in the distance the tall ruined cities, kind of like, you know, probably kind of like uh, I, I don't want to pick up the camera, and turn around, like yeah. Gam World poster, you know, of the first edition with that city in the distance of this decayed city. It's that kind of setting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you can actually see. Well, outside the camera, um, bodies of the previous cleaners are there, you know, yeah. over time as they decay because the environment is so toxic that the suits only last a certain amount of time because the environment's so toxic that it just decays and destroys the suits. You know, yeah. so eventually their purpose to go out there is to clean, you know, it's like for the good, it's like if you're, I'm out there, I did something, you know, the one last thing that you could do before you die is to for the benefit of the society that you're in is to clean, to take that wool and clean off that screen so people can see the outside because that is the last that, like I said, if people, as they talk about how as the screen gets foggier and foggier and foggier, people start getting crazy. Uh, yeah. Like if they, if they can't see the outside because, because generally you're looking at, you know, four walls, ceiling, you're inside something. That's their, that is their only connection to a bigger world. And certainly, um, <laughs> it gets more complicated than that in this thing. But oh, um, much more complicated. It, it starts off very. You think it starts off like a very simple story, but how how he managed to keep peeling the onion, and every layer that comes off makes the situation more complicated and more awful and more terrible uh, with each layer, um, down to the level where. When I say you don't know who the bad guys are and you don't know who deserves to die or not, I don't just mean between the people, the protagonists and the antagonists in the story. There's a point where you begin to wonder if anybody should be allowed to live at the end of this thing. If they do a really good job of... of, uh, of uh, uh, when, he, when he kept expanding the story, he did it in ways that really really worked for me um to where you're you're sort of so horrified by the situation you you don't even know if it's you know <laughs> part of you you know is like well it would really serve them right if they didn't make it but at the same time there's that minor problem where they're it they are it on the human race if this project doesn't work uh we're done but the question is what are we gonna be after we get out of the silo you know what I mean? Are we going to oh, yeah. be anything that we recognize as us anymore? Or are we going to be this beaten down, crushed, willless, obedient surf race? You know what I mean? Are we going to return to the Middle Ages kind of 
caste well, system. Well, because because one of the things I, I I had problems with at times, but I tried because. I'm looking at it from an outsider's point of view. Okay, it's it's kind of the whole. Uh, actually, I use this I use this analogy in because um, I had I had uh, I told you about how I had uh, the jury summons uh, the other week. Yeah, and um, one of the things that the defense or prosecutor uh, I can't remember I think it was defense was kept on talking about is like oh you know. You can only use the knowledge that you know, is presented to you, even if you know it's wrong. You know, blah 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 blah. Oh, and, yeah. That's that's not something you want to hear. Well, they didn't quite say it like that, but that's how I read it. Yeah, you, know? you can only listen to the experts in the courtroom. You can't bring outside information in. Yeah, exactly. Even if you think the expert is wrong, like if you know one hundred percent they're wrong, you still can't bring it in. Then they're not much of an expert. But that's that's a whole thing that I brought up about credibility, this and that. And I said, well, I, I told them, I said, here's the problem. I said, well, I said, I'm putting this in context that I could understand. I said, listen, I said, I'm a gamer. I've been a gamer for, you know, you know, nigh on 40 years. Okay. And, uh, you know, paper, pencil gaming, Dungeons and Dragons, things like that. Give them a context. So I said, this is the context, how I see it in. This is a case of character knowledge versus player knowledge. I told them, you know, I said, you might not know what I'm talking about, but the way it is, is I, I, I said this. This is why I didn't get picked, okay? Wow. Yeah. In the moment you said character knowledge versus player knowledge, there was a lever that they had <laughs> next to the desk. They just went, chink. You know? <laughs> Good job. I'm going to remember that for getting any gamers who are listening to this. Absolutely. Go this route. You will never serve on a jury. Keep going. Right. So you said, you said, <laughs> so, so I said, I said, this is a case of player knowledge versus character knowledge. I said, and in the context that we're talking about here is we as the jury uh, being jurors, we are the characters. And the only knowledge that we have is the knowledge that's presented to us in this, this case. But the thing is, we are players, though. We are playing this role as a juror. So we have knowledge outside of what is presented to us in courts. So any, you know, every good player, every good player tries to be able to have the separation of character knowledge versus player knowledge, but it's a very difficult thing to do. So um, people are going to have, you know, I, I went on something along those lines, and they're just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Like, quick, get the schizophrenic off the jury. He's going to start talking to his other personalities. So, but the but the defense attorney, uh, to her, uh, her credit, was like, she's like, I get it. I know the terms you're talking about. And she started talking to me, trying to talk to me in terms. Of, I don't know if she really knew it. She might have, or she was just playing along. But these are many of the things that I said that got me out of having to serve on this jury. Besides, you know, when they talked about, you know, um, credibility. And I said, well, how do I know you're credible? How do I? I, I said, I go, well, how do I know you're credible or the prosecutor's credible or the witness is credible or or the judge or even uh, even the defendant's credible? I don't know you people. I don't know if you're credible to me. <laughs> I, have to, I have to take your word for it, and I don't know if that's good enough for me. So these are the things I say. But anyway, the player knowledge. <laughs> so, uh, player, you were on your way out the door on player knowledge versus character knowledge. I think you may have over over-seasoned the dinner there with the extra stuff about how do I know you people are credible? Maybe what if you're all weirdos and bums? How do I know? <laughs> well, that was it though. The credibility thing was a different conversation, but this is okay. something else I, I brought up. But so yes, yeah, so, so our gamers out there, just next time you're on jury duty, talk about player knowledge versus character knowledge in the terms of juror versus not, not being, that'll get you out every, every time. But um, while well, one, we, 
Until you go the one time you get that prosecutor or judge who used to play D and D in high school, and he's suddenly like, "Exactly, that's it. You're, that's exactly what I'm talking about." So you have to, you have, you can't bring your player knowledge into this. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. I, <laughs> okay. Anyways, back to back to wool. Yeah. So, about- uh, so reading the book, it's kind of it felt like that because I'm reading this book and some of the things that these people are going on about, like, oh my god, why don't you think about this or why is it not? Because I'm not the character. I'm not there. I'm not in their world. Their world is very structured and very limited. So, but sometimes reading the book, it got hard for me to be like, oh God, what are they fucking doing? Because to me, it seems so obvious. Like they're like trying to put these things together that they're so slow to process and think outside the box on things because they're conditioned to not do that, you know? So me, me being the, from the outside, like sometimes it was painful for me to read, but, but that's good because you know what? He did a good job of developing these characters to be like how they should be because that's the world they're in. I didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. But um, that was actually a pretty good way of getting the characters to maybe make the decisions, to make bad decisions without having to invoke stupid writer tricks by just having them suddenly become dumb. These guys were conditioned by this environment and this society to be unable to think outside the box. And maybe what you just said there, maybe the sort of defining characteristic of everybody, including IT. Even when you get into IT and you see what's going on on their side, they're no more flexible. They're no more, they have no more initiative. Nope. Anybody else? Yeah, it's it, because I think people, are, they're conditioned and, they were conditioned and bred that way by the system. It's not that they're stupid, but you get those couple people who actually have are smarter and they start to be like, wait a minute, I'm not understanding. Why is this, you know, and he did a good job with that. You know, like you said, you have the character all of a sudden be stupid. would be ridiculous, but he started them all at a base. Like I said, a base level of they're not capable of of that kind of higher level thinking because that's not how they were brought up and conditioned to be. in. So I think I give him kudos for that. I think he did a good job with that. You know, It was, like I said, it was painful for me to read. I'm like, oh, God, what's wrong with these people? You know, so, um, yeah, so uh, I was going to say here. So, yes, so I said we're not going to go into certain things. As we you know, we want to leave some of it a mystery, but it's definitely, it gets, like Scott says, it gets more complex. It gets more, uh, like, you know, like, you know, things happen, you know, like I already alluded to that, you know, the new sheriff uh, has some problems and, uh, also goes out for cleaning. Yeah, so she, when she gets sent out for cleaning, the ball game changes, and that that is the big turn in the book where they demonstrated what happens when you go outside the first time, and then it they send you back out, and it's not the same again. Yeah. So it's uh it's it's pretty good. It's um it intrigues me enough to where I do want to track down and read the other books. I was I really want to see how how the story is going to pan out. Um, because, uh, God, what is it here? Uh, what's next? Uh, what's shift. shift is next. Shift and then dust. Shift takes us back to Cree. Uh, it's, the, the, it's before everything happens and it kind of gives you a story of why things happen and how they are. Um, I don't know how, how I feel about that yet. Um, I'm kind of like, well, do we want it? Do I want to see it all? I don't know how I don't know how I want to see the story revealed to me yet, uh, exactly. but I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if going back to the past and 
letting you know, oh, this is what happened. This is how it all built. Unless he does the same good level of mystery that he builds into the first book. Otherwise, it seems kind of a cop-out. Like, okay, well, here's what happened before. Yeah, just telling me about the thing that you've already revealed in the plot of Wool. If you Because there's reveals. There's big reveals in Wool. Yeah. If you just go back and now, rather than have it revealed in the, the book here, we're now going to show it acted out, and then it doesn't actually give you the same level of visceral punches where it keeps turning the story. Uh, I, I would be a little disappointed, but uh, I'm certainly willing to give them a shot at it. This is a good enough book that I am moving on to shift. I have picked up the second book, and I've uh, I've started to read it. But it is yeah. definitely it is definitely set almost in uh, almost in a world that is almost identical to ours right now. Okay, and yeah, like I said, I'm willing to give it a try because it's just like you know what? I don't think he's going to cheap out like that uh, just from the level uh, of the quality of writing he did in the first book. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think I'll do it. But I'll be curious. I'm I'm curious to see what he does with it, and then. He's, he's not going to go the way of the guy who wrote uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Have you heard about this, Jared? Um, now, yeah. you are familiar with Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah, basically what it's, 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 it's the era of Victorian era and Pride and Prejudice. And there's basically they live in a zombie world and everybody's brought up to fight zombies. because Yes, it's, yes. Well, the, the same guy wrote Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Okay. All right. Apparently, he's getting sued by his publisher because he turned in a manuscript that was apparently way too much. He, he took another old book. He took another book like Pride and Prejudice or something that, and it wasn't real specific in the court documents, but it's not like he took a book that was Pride and Pre like Pride and Prejudice, an old book that was in the public domain. And then he just threw it on a word processor and reworked it. But he left so much of the, he didn't write his own book. He rewrote a, old manuscript that was in the public domain and the publisher is pissed and they want, you know, they want the advance back and all that kind of good stuff. So it's not going well for him. Um, that's a news story I saw just a couple of days ago with any luck. I didn't read it on, uh, you know, click the onion, the or, the onion, onion or, yeah, or something like that. Cause gee, I saw it on the internet, Jared, it must be true. So I should repeat it. So everyone will think it's true. Well, but, yeah, if it's in the internet, it's true. Yeah. Uh, duh. <laughs> but uh, I would be, <laughs> I was never a fan of the whole concept behind Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And and so if he if he tripped himself up, I am I have a little schadenfreude delight about that, you know. Um, but uh, that's just because I'm jealous at his $100,000 advance check he got for his third novel. So, you know, that's just me being full of, uh, full of, uh, 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 it's a, sour, yeah, sour grapes sour grapes and bitterness over my utter lack of success yeah my big success this year i've had three short stories published that's about 1100 bucks well it's, it's, <laughs> it's uh it's better than it's better than nothing right oh god yeah <laughs> i keep but, telling uh, myself that but I shift uh, shift goes back before folks and then dust uh kind of comes back to the future to kind of bring together those two things from those two books. So I, I'm definitely willing to, to give the next book a shot as well as Scott. So um, we know a lot of the, there's several of the people who have followed the show said that how much they really enjoyed the book. And I thought it was a good book. And also, you know what, what I thought was a, what was a good achievement, especially for me, it's a post-apocalyptic book that is um, somewhat modern. 
It's I think I, some people have complained. Yeah. Guys, guys, everything you talk about was like written from like you know 1980 back. Nothing new. So this is a newer book. I think it was originally you first began the series you know five years ago, and then it was published as uh, one cohesive uh, omnibus uh, in 2012. But hey, for me, that's pretty contemporary. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so it's uh, it's definitely I think it's it's uh, if you haven't read it, folks, it's definitely worth tracking out. It's, it's again, it's modern. Uh, you know, it's a contemporary post-apocalyptic novel. It's pretty good because especially with what's I, there's, there's just a lot of out there, and a lot of it just looks like just like shit, and I, I don't yeah. like care to read it. You know, but this one was uh, particularly in the zombie apocalypse genre, oh, right. swimming and stuff with that. But this this book does not. You will not hear about any Russians, and you will not hear about any forty-five caliber Dutonics hardballers with Pac-Meyer grips. That well, so that, uh, that that is a negative against it, but. You know. <laughs> So it's it's not like the stuff that we grew up with at all, but it's it's good. It's definitely it's definitely good. I'm gonna give it a give it a chance. Uh, so I'll see if I can track that track that down because, like I told Scott, I've been you know lately I've been kind of uh, cheating, you know, because uh, I don't necessarily have the time for sit down and read these books because uh, unfortunately I'm a little bit of a slow reader. So I do I do audio books now a lot. So like I listen to it on the way to work and the way home from work and lunch break and stuff. So. Uh, actually, right now I'm listening to. Um, so I have a I have a couple of more post-apocalyptic books lined up, but I needed a break from post-apocalyptic. I need to list something different. So I went with a classic that I have never read, and it's shameful that I've never read this book because you would think that I would have read this book, but I'm now just finally getting to reading it. You know, decades later, from after seeing the the bookshelves of the bookstores in the '80s as a child, was uh, I'm finally reading Frank Herbert's Dune. Ooh. All right, I'll be interested to hear what your 2016 perspective thinks about a book that I read, maybe in the late 70s, something like that. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why I, I've read a lot of classic science fiction. You know, you know, uh, Asimov and all that stuff. You know, I never, I never read Dune. I don't know why I never did. So I said, you know what? Let me go back to it because so many people like hate David Lynch's film, and I liked it. I like, I liked his film. I thought it was a good film. So I was like, you know what? Let me see why there's such ire about his movie by reading the book. And let me go back. And so far, I'm not really seeing why there's so much hate for the movie. Uh, because you know what? It's a movie. It's a novel that's this fucking thick. And you got to translate that into an hour and a half to two hours. You know, uh, things have to be like, as usual, books and movies are two different mediums. Some people do argue that who cares but you know what it really is you have to tell things differently um is it a perfect movie is it a perfect adaptation so far no but there's so much stuff in the book that he just really couldn't he can't put into the movie i still like the movie but i'm enjoying the book as well uh sure. you know seeing, seeing a lot of different stuff from it but uh but after i'm done with that i'm going to move on back onto some apocalyptic stuff like i also have lined up um uh, war day which um Good. I've read that. We can we can we can go through that together. Absolutely. We'll go through War Day, and uh, I again, I owned it back in the eighties, but I tried starting to read it, but for some reason, at the t I couldn't get into it at the time. So I'm gonna uh, War Day, and then also The Last Ship. Uh, I'm gonna Ooh. I'm gonna I'm gonna get myself through that. So we're gonna have a couple more book reviews coming up in the near, in the future. Guess, guess what? It's not the TV series. <laughs> oh, I know that. Uh, it's different. You know, it's. I know the TV series about it's a plague and in the bug, you know, whatever it is, bug viruses. I know back then it's like nukes, 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 because it was from, you know, the 80s. Yeah. 
So those are some possible popular books I'm going to read and we'll do some because I know people like the book reviews and like I said, you know, uh, before folks is like, yeah, we've done we've done a lot of broad topics, you know, over the time we've been doing this and I'm kind of feeling like it's like uh, there's not a whole lot more easily accessible broad topics that I could that come to mind because we've covered a lot of stuff, you know. So now I think it's we're at a point where we're going to have to start. Uh, drilling down and just doing specific stuff like here's a book here's a movie here's a tv series and we're just going to talk about that here's another book here is one game we're going to talk about so or maybe even some of these broad topics we've had we're going to maybe talk about just one specific uh aspect of it and delve into it more so i think in the future the shows are going to be more you know single focus as opposed to broader topics unless we come up with a good broad topic you know we do meander a bit and this episode is we're still closing in on about an hour and a half so i guess it's time for us to close ourselves down now that we've meandered appropriately yeah well we had to catch up and that was typically typically our shows are hour hour and a half you know so but i didn't really want to reveal much more about the book Uh, i think we covered a lot of stuff and again um if we were i think if we revealed much more we're we didn't spoil it that much, you know. We really didn't. I held back. I, there's things I really so want to tell people, but because it was really original. Yeah. There's a couple of ideas in here that I'd never seen in this kind of apocalyptic survival species story, you know, before. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it certainly there are certain things that remind me of uh, uh, of uh, Orphans of the Sky. By Heinlein, yeah. Um, there's certain aspects there like that, but it was even, but, but with things that made it even worse, uh, and and more, more. And I, and I know what you're talking about, and I, we can't say anything about because we gotta would... keep our mouth shut. So yeah. read the book; we won't be yeah. sorry. Yeah. So, folks, uh, like I said, definitely, uh, yeah, it's it's worth your time. So, all right. So that's it, folks. Uh, what we're gonna do next, I'm not sure. Um, I got to think about it. Where I'm still going to try to line up John from uh, Fallen Lands, see if we can get him on maybe next show. I'm going to reach out again to Jim Wamplier uh, and see when he's free, so we can talk about that. Uh, otherwise, me and Scott will will talk and see about what we're going to do for the next show. Uh, part of part of that, you know, is going to depend on me going through the process of learning the new system because Google Hangout Plus is changing and it's all going on YouTube to be a YouTube live streaming thing, which I don't know how it works yet. I have to test it out. We got to make sure everything works and records and uploads like we did before. So once I get that figured out, um, we'll, uh, we'll get that, we'll get that going. So we're going to keep you in the, keep you in the, uh, in the dark about what we're going to do next. Cause I'm not quite sure, but yeah, so we got a couple things lined up and, uh, or, you know, and that's it. So maybe we'll talk, maybe we'll talk about a movie, because uh, there's, there's, you know, there's been, been some movies. I want to watch that Z for Zachariah. I, I kind of like the idea of it. maybe we'll talk, maybe we'll do that. You know, maybe, okay. you know, we'll we'll see. We'll we'll just have to talk about it, folks. So that's it for us, folks. Uh, as again, you know, we're glad to be back. Like I said, we just had, you know, a little break happen, but you know, I know some people were worried that we disappeared forever, but you know, we'll never disappear forever. We might disappear for a little while, but uh, we'll always be back. And uh, I'll try to be better about getting some more. Uh, share some information like when I see cool stuff, I try to post it on the blog just to, you know, share some poke pop post-apocalyptic info. So I'll try to get some more stuff up there for you folks to take a look at at the time. Uh, but otherwise, uh, again, thanks everybody for your time. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, I am 
Jared, the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace. He is Adam Bomb Glancy. And uh, we will see you folks in the wasteland. Have a good night.